Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to Giant Cocktails. Thank you, Bob. Yes, this is Ben Henry, and I am next to Matthew Henry, my wonderful brother and co-host. Matthew, poop emoji or facepalm emoji? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I think facepalm because there's, let's face it, there's a lot of reasons to facepalm in the in the world today, and I, I do find myself using that one quite often. That is true. That is true. This is definitely the era of the facepalm. Yes. Uh, with, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and it ranges. I mean, it's from Kapler leaving in wood too long to, you know, uh, my child, uh, you know, giving me lip via mm-hmm. text you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's universal and it can it works in so many different scenarios Facebook, right definitely. right right um, or your child sending you the poop emoji totally yes right? my yeah. my mm-hmm. my 10 year old would definitely send that to me <laughs> multiple times <laughs> if you were to ask her she would definitely go with the poop emoji oh uh, well on that note <laughs> the san francisco giants went five and one this week Against the lowly Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies. Honestly, with those two teams, they should have gone 6-0. But they didn't because it's baseball. And 5-1 and one is actually pretty good. It brought their record to 76-42 and 42 after winning their sixth consecutive series. That's a winning percent- percentage of 644. That's 64.4% for those of you who are normal people. So far, they are 10-3 and three in August, 19-10 since the All-Star break, four games ahead of the evil empire Los Angeles Dodgers, who once again are the second best team in all of baseball. And, and, and nobody cares about this anymore, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw it out there because, I, you know, it's relevant, especially you know, based on what the goals of this team were from our perspective at the beginning of the season. The Giants are 12 and a half games ahead of the Reds. The Reds are the first team not currently qualifying for the playoffs. So the Giants have a playoff spot by 12 and a half games. So all in all, a a good week, a good place to be. I'd rather be the San Francisco Giants than the Los Angeles Dodgers, to be sure. I mean, it would be nice if allegedly good teams like the New York Mets just didn't decide to like roll over and die against the Los Angeles Dodgers. But if they are going to suck that bad, let's here's hoping that they suck that bad starting tomorrow. Amen. But they better. They better, right? I mean, like come on. Come on. You, you can't you can't play like that at home in New York and then come out to San Francisco and put up a fight. Like look, if you're quitting, just just stay down. Stay down New York Mets. <laughs> stay down. You're done. That's right. Stay down. At least until you play San Diego again. I don't know. Yeah, do they play San Diego? I think they do. I think they do. I mean, I think actually the big three are all playing the same. Well, I, would, I would imagine this is a West Coast trip, right? They yeah, that's Dodgers probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, they're probably completing their 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 entire series against the against the Dodgers. Uh, the Giants will actually see them. Yeah, yeah, not too not in the not too distant future again in New York for their last trip to the East when they play. Uh, the Mets and the Braves. But before we get into all of that, Matthew, there's something more important that we have to talk about, and that is alcohol. That's right. What are you drinking? Well, Bob, what I'm drinking today, uh, you know, I've been researching these cocktails now for the better part of, what, three months uh, maybe even longer than that now. I don't know. It's flown by. But I've been doing a lot of research, and I kept seeing a a sweetener called Orjat. And I'll be honest, when I first read it, I, think I didn't know that's how Orge. it was pronounced. I thought, isn't it pronounced, uh, pronounced Orge? I don't think... See, I was just going to say that I thought it was 
I honestly thought it was like orgot or orgeet or something like that. But or the bartender yet. that I talked to about it pronounced it orjat. I'm going to look it up now. You keep going. Okay. You 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 correct me and I'll edit it out later. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Anyway, uh, I'm going to keep calling it orjat. Uh, that's what the bartender told me it was. But it's an almond-based uh, sweetener. It's a syrup made out of almonds as a base. And it's a, a crucial component of a very popular cocktail called the Mai Tai. And so I decided that uh, I would try one. And let me tell you, that was not an easy task because when I looked up recipes for Mai Tais, I mean, oh my gosh, there are like a million and one recipes that are out there. It's almost like a planter's punch. Every recipe, every bartender's got their own recipe. But yeah, I, I feel your pain. And so, you know, so I started making them earlier in the in the in the week. I think I've had four different types of Mai Tais. And the one that I brought to the show today was closest to the original uh, because it was actually created by a very famous uh, bartender named Vic Bergeron or Trader Vic. And Trader Vic made his name on the whole tiki craze. And he uh, developed this cocktail called the Mai Tai. And. It actually became really popular uh, once it spread over into his restaurants in Hawaii. And so when it was there, they started adding like pineapple juice and orange juice. And so if you go to Hawaii and order a Mai Tai, it is actually very different than what the original was. And so what I've learned is a lot of bartenders are going back to the roots of this drink. And uh, but the root root of this drink is the rum. And uh, Vic, when he developed it, he, sh- he chose a, at the time, was a 17-year-old rum. I forget the name of it now, but it was, uh, it, it was a really nice, punch-you-in-the-face, very aged rum. And then the world ran out of that. And so then he switched to another rum that was 15 years aged, and then the world ran out of that. And so then he uh, started working with a combination of rums. So is it Vic's fault that we ran out of these wonderful rums? It, it was because the drink was so popular. Oh and my. and so I actually read that there's some bar like I want to say in Europe or something like that that has a bottle of the original rum and that you can buy a Mai Tai made with that. But it's like thirteen hundred dollars. But OK. Yeah. Of the original one. But, you know, you, you, to have a 17 year old rum, you just have to have started making it 17 years ago. <laughs> Right. Right. You know, so it's not like, you know, I'm not saying that's not a commitment, you know. Yes. But but we age all kinds of whiskeys and brandies and things like that. Yes. And wines. And anyway, And I'll be honest, I I didn't feel like going out and buying a a really expensive bottle of rum or a 17. You know, I had two or three bottles of rum in my cabinet already. So I did look and the people are mixing rum. So I chose uh, an amber rum and a dark rum. Uh-huh. And I mixed them together. And so here, so the recipe itself called for, well, what I did was I did an ounce and a half of amber rum. And then I did a half ounce of the dark rum. I did a quarter ounce of the orjat. And I did a quarter ounce of uh, Demarara, rich Demarara syrup. Uh, so it was two to one ratio of sugar to water. Uh, and then a three quarters of an ounce of lime juice. And oh, and then a half ounce of now, original recipe called for curacao, and I just use Cointreau as the triple sec. So I use Cointreau, half ounce of that. Uh, you shake it all up with crushed ice, and the recipe actually says you just pour the crushed ice right into a glass. So you don't even give it fresh ice. You just pour it in, and you garnish it with the shell of the, one of the limes that you squeezed in and a little sprig of mint. And what's that supposed to represent is the shell is supposed to be an island and the mint is supposed to be like a palm tree and it's supposed to kind of, you know, this tiki kind of thing going on there. Uh, But as I mentioned, there were a lot of different options. And when the first one I did called for like an ounce of lime juice and that was way too tart. Like it just, um, I, 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 it was bitter and I didn't, um, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting. And I don't think that was really what the, the drink was supposed to be. I feel like this is supposed to be kind of a rum centered, sweeter kind of a balanced drink. And this one that I made today, the recipe I just gave you, it was much more balanced. And I think the Damara sugar really actually helped that rich syrup helped kind of balance it with the orgeat as well. So 
Uh, it's a really good drink. I, I've i never ordered one. I, you know, I've always been like shying away from it because it seemed like one of those like drinks that like, you know, a college girl would order at the bar because, you know, but and maybe I'm, I'm that's probably wrong on my fault because you're shaking your head disapprovingly. But I uh, I was wrong. I, I really like this Mai Tai. And uh, the bar that I frequent actually a lot, they actually have a special tiki glass that if you order it, they will they will serve it in a tiki glass. So I think next time I go, I'm going to ask them to make me one just so I can compare it to, to this one. But I really do like this, and I, um, I'm, I fully recommend the Mai Tai. Well, I yeah, I mean, the Mai Tai is the classic tiki cocktail, as you mentioned in, in your description. And I'm a big fan of tiki in general. I love tiki cocktails and I love tiki bars. They're just a ton of fun. And you just get all kinds of wonderful, elaborate cocktails. And if you go to a really like campy uh, tiki bar, they're gonna just create these concoctions with all kinds of like, just looks like a produce store just exploding out of the glass. <laughs> right. And it's just a ton of fun. I, you know, so, and the Mai Tai is certainly the king of that. I would say that, you know, the, the, the cocktail that I always think of as being the, um, you know, the, the sorority girl order and no offense to sorority girls out there. I know, I know you all make, you all choose great cocktails and make great cocktails, but, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. You know, send me hate mail. It would be interesting to get any sort of mail from you guys, any sort of comment actually. So I, I yeah. So just, yeah. Complain at me. But anyway, uh, pina colada. That's that's to me that is the the you know I I yeah. want the the sickly sweet you know standard boring order that's the piña colada to me, um, but anyway you know a, a really great choice to me the mai tai really really should be rum forward, it should really kind of be an aggressive and strong rum flavor, that's how I like mine. You know I definitely think yeah the, that first recipe that you mentioned it should not be overly tart. Uh, you know, it, it should be well balanced on the sweetness and the tartness, but should really be a rum forward cocktail. And it should come in a large glass, uh, you know, preferably uh, in a tropical location on a lounge chair, you know, uh, where you're spending the winter months and you know, waiting for uh, the baseball season to restart. That's my preferred way to drink a Mai Tai anyway. <laughs> Well, me too. Now I'll 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 see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I did do a couple of checks, uh, and 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 you were right. Well, we're both wrong, actually. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced ogre eat. <laughs> well, let's just go with that. It's it's ogre eat a syrup. Uh, no, according to according to the the young sounding computer synthetic voice on on the computer, and it, I don't know. It, it is you are correct. Orjat. Orjat. Yes. Thank you. Orjat. But I also did find this. Demerara. Demerara. Oh, see that? I needed that. Because I yes. have no idea how to pronounce it. Because you're, that. well, you always put in an extra syllable, I think. I do. Is the Demerara. first thing that. Demerara. Demerara. Syrup. All right. Well, anyway, good choice. I like it. I like it a lot. Good choice. A Mai Tai. Thank you. And Bob wants to know What are you drinking? Bob, I'm drinking a revolver. Why am I drinking a revolver? That has nothing to do with the name. I just that you know, I I I don't know why it's called the revolver. But I actually got it out of one of my favorite bar books. Not because I was looking through that bar book. Well, actually, the the name of the book is actually the bar book, which is a great <laughs> book that ta talks about uh, bar techniques. It is not a a a book that is heavy on recipes. Uh, and I have read it through cover to cover, and it's a great read if you are trying to up your amateur cocktail making game. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who, who wants to, to learn more about the craft or just wants to add a good book to their library about the craft. Definitely check out the bar book. But this recipe actually comes from that book, and I actually found it while I was researching Spirit Forward Cocktails over the week because I was really just looking for something that was going to be a little bit on the stronger side, a little bit more of a sophisticated cocktail, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, mainly because Buster Posey and, and Logan Webb went off this week, and I knew I was going to be rolling the dice again today. And so I really wanted to be like, you know what? I want to go choose and make something that I know the dice are not going to give me. 
And I wanted to go with something that was really going to be about the spirit. So I was like, okay, let me go find this, you know, a, a recipe like that. And this jumped right out at me because I was like, hey, I know that recipe. I know that book. And so I was like, yes, let's go make that one. So what is the revolver? The revolver is two ounces of bourbon, half an ounce of coffee liqueur, and a couple of dashes of orange bitters. You put all of that in a mixing glass with ice. You stir it until chilled, and then you strain it uh, into a, a cocktail uh, glass. Uh, you serve it up, and uh, and then you actually garnish it with the peel of an orange, and you are actually supposed to fire the orange, which I could never get this right. I tried many times, and I burned myself twice trying to do this all week. But somehow you're supposed to take the orange peel and I guess you got to get a really big peel off. And I bought some of these big, huge navel oranges because I was like, maybe that's my problem. And you can tell I was really invested, right? I, I had to go to the grocery store because I had to get this part down because this is key in a podcast where nobody's ever going to smell or taste what I'm talking about. <laughs> They might see a photograph of it, but, you know, that's also where they're not going to taste or smell the orange peel. But I still had to get it right. So I got a big, giant navel orange because I thought, okay, maybe what I need is a really big peel. And so if the orange is larger, that's going to make it easier for me to get a really big peel off of off of the orange. And then I used a vegetable peeler to really get a wide. And then I'm squeezing that thing above the match and what's supposed to happen. As you're squeezing this this lemon peel is the oil from the orange is supposed to spritz out and hit the flame and then catch on fire and then sort of flame and create this aroma and and smoke or, you know, and burned oil. And it's supposed to then fall onto the cocktail and create this really wonderful nose and flavoring on the top of the cocktail. I don't know. I burned myself like twice. I could never, I only got it once to flash just the tiniest little bit. And that was only today. And I made this one actually twice today. Once because I was still trying to get this right. And I thought, okay, well, I need also to take a photo of it because you're always bugging me about the photos. So I made it much earlier today. And that time I actually got it to work. There were fireworks over the glass. And I would like to tell you that I tasted the difference. I really didn't. But um, but it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I mean, I think to me, this is one of the things that I love the most about cocktail making is just trying to get those little bits down. And uh, but anyway, the cocktail, the cocktail itself, it is a very spirit forward cocktail. This is not one of your Henry brother sweet, you know, in easy cocktails where it goes down like uh, bubblegum. You know, this is not lemon curd. This is not uh, Fruity Pebbles. This is not, you know, uh, lemonade with a little bit of uh, bourbon thrown in there. This is a real cocktail. And but it's a very um, kind of spicy, darker flavor. The the liqueur definitely gives it a little bit of, of sweetness, but just a touch to, to, to complement the orange. And you really get this kind of really warm, um, I don't know how to describe it other than, um, yeah, it's just kind of like a, a really warm, sophisticated, like you would drink this if you were sitting in some old, you know, uh, misogynistic gentleman's club in a library with like big leather chairs and a whole bunch of leather bound books that nobody ever opened up. This would be very appropriate sitting in your hand there um, instead of here in my, my closet. At least you didn't spill it on the floor. No, no. Did you spill yours on the floor? Yes, my closet smells like Mai Tai now. This is uh, my second Mai Tai that I made this evening. First one. <laughs> well, one for you, the one for the closet and one for you. Yes. Well, the you good, know, there's worse things. The good news your about closet. that is my my wife was very understanding. I I was amazed. She was like, "Oh, don't worry, it's cool." And I'm like, "Oh my god," because I mean, it spilled on her clothes. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a mm -hmm. huge closet. She's just happy to have you out of her hair for an hour. She is. Yeah. Totally. Every She's week. like, just just yeah. get your butt back in the closet. Just go back in the closet, please. <laughs> back in the closet. Well, put I will say that the, the glass that you're drinking, not to change the subject, but mm -hmm. is uh, is that a Nick and Nora glass? Is that what? You know, you know uh, I uh, I believe Nick and Nora actually refers to some of the etchings on there as well. But 
yes, it is. It's certainly a great subject if uh, to talk about on a cocktail podcast. Yes. But this is <laughs> not talk about a cocktail else. podcast, Matthew. This is a baseball podcast where we drink cocktails. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, fans. I know some of you come for the cocktails and stay for the baseball, but most of you are here for the baseball. Hey, you know, maybe we have to, maybe, maybe it's something to discuss in the off season. Maybe we'll That's have right. to have we'll, a spinoff or something. Down. But, you know, until then, this is giant cocktails, not um, nerds talk about cocktails. Nerd cocktails. <laughs> Nerdy cocktails. Yeah. I might even just cut this whole Nick and Nora question out. I don't even why? Why? Yeah. Why would I yeah. ask that when I know? I don't know. Why would you ask that? I was really just I was disappointed that you didn't let me make the joke about, you know, the wife putting her husband back in the closet. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, so we had a two game series against the Diamondbacks. Uh, the first game started out like like you expected it to. Right. I mean, we, we jumped out to an early lead. We were leading four to nothing after one. We're cruising. Wood was uh, was pitching well, and then uh, then the sixth inning came, and then a span of like a thirty seconds, we were we were the game was was tied. You know, we uh, yeah. Well, Wood got in a ton of trouble real fast, right? Because that was that was fast. Wood's first start of the week. He he made two starts. He made a start uh, early. Uh, he made a start on Tuesday, and then he started again today, and. Yeah, I mean, he, he was looking fine, and then all of a sudden, it was four to nothing. It was four to four, right? Five and, to five. Uh, five actually, to five. We had, sorry, we were yeah. five to nothing going into the series. Right, and and the game the game was was tied, and I believe I remembered I texted you a, a, a chippy little question like, if a team scores five runs from down five to nothing in the fifth, is that less impressive than scoring four runs and being down four to nothing in the ninth? And the answer is yes, it is less yes, impressive. It is because you give us a chance to come back. That's right, and 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 of course the Giants did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's a couple things about the Diamondbacks and the Rockies that really frightened me going and not frightened me, concerned me, concerned me slightly, concerned me was that you know their season is is mostly concluded at this point, right? They these are this is a lost season for both organizations. They have very little that they're playing for. All they really have left is it to play for is their pride and maybe their future jobs. And that is not exactly the kind of attitude that you have um, that's going to 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 indicate success. But at the same time, you know, like here they are playing the Giants, who I think in a lot for both of these teams, they probably were comparing themselves to the Giants at the beginning of the season and saying, you know, we're probably better than them. We're as good as them. You know, we can compete with those guys. And now those guys are the class of baseball and the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. And I was a little bit worried that there would be, you know, they were going to come out guns blazing. And, uh, you know, I, so I think that was my primary concern. I, I think that the second concern I had was was just the Giants starting pitching has been really, really mediocre, mediocre as of late and not. And I think in that way that really freaked me out. Uh, at the beginning of the season, which was, OK, if they make it all the way to August, are they going to be able to make it through August? Not because of injury, but because of exhaustion, right? Are they going to be able to continue to to perform at this elite level all the way through August, especially after a shortened season last year? And I'm a little bit worried that we've started to see that play out, right? And and I think Wood, you know, Desclafani going on the IL, I think Wood having that really, really bad start, you know, I think both of those were indicators that, yeah, this is actually a legitimate concern. That was really what jumped out to me about about the series. Well, at least in that game, that one game with with Wood. Right. Well, I think, yeah, Wood's meltdown there, but also McGee's inability to close it out. And I know I mean, he was pitcher of the month and he had allowed a nerd run in like two months. And so, they, you know, everybody's like saying this is this is just a blip. You know, every every pitcher, of course, goes through problems like that. But I still, he just, he. Does, I mean, when he does things like this, it doesn't make me believe that he is the, uh, the what we need at the end of the game. And unfortunately, we don't have any other options unless, <laughs> unless, unless we've seen Zach Littell 
in a couple spots uh, this last week. Uh, he had a two inning save. He had you know another. He had two saves this week. His two first, I think, of his. Well, he had career. a two inning save, and then he had a one out save. One out save, right? And, and but both times he saved McGee's behind. Behind. Thank you. Yes. Family friendly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. You know, could Latell be our closer? I mean, he certainly seems to have a few more bullets in his... Uh, Weirder his things have happened, right? Matthew. Weirder things have happened. And in his outing yesterday, where he was definitely not the closer when he came in in the third inning uh, to pick up after Sammy Long pitched his two innings. Uh, you know, the he looked really good. And stranger things have happened, certainly with the closer role. So is he? I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say yes. I, I mean, I think the answer there is is obviously unlikely. Unlikely. Yeah, Kapler's not going to be like, oh, yeah, Latell's our closer now. I mean, no, no, of course he's not. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of guys, a lot of managers don't do it that way. You know, a lot of managers be like, you know, oh, we're just giving him a couple days off. We're going to let him do And next thing you know, the guy hasn't had been in a closing, you know, situation in six weeks. And then, you know, Joe Blow is now your new closer. So that happens all the time. Uh, I just think it would be a very, very interesting path for Latell, right? Who didn't start the season on well, He was on in AAA roster. a week and a half ago. Right. Well, that's exactly right. He was he wasn't on the roster to begin the season. Then he was on the roster. Then he, you know, imploded in like, I think, two games and then was sent back. And, uh, you know, and and then, bam, he comes back and, and now he's he's being put into these closing situations. I think what that exemplifies to me, Matthew, because you're not going to hear me say, oh, yeah, McGee is like our closer and I'm so happy we have him um, in that role. I love McGee. I think he's fantastic. I think he's great. I love Rogers. I love Rogers more than you do. I think they're both fantastic. I think they're both great guys. I just wish they were our setup guys. Right. Could you imagine I wish- I mean, Rogers in the seventh, McGee in the eighth, yeah. uh, McGee and Sindel, or vice versa for that matter, because they're kind of they've yep. been using them interchangeably, and uh, you know, and then somebody else that can come in and you know shut the door in the ninth, uh, or even like the reason like Zach Latell I think could be valuable in that role is that he can also pitch multiple innings. So you know, as we saw, right, he had two uh, two inning save sure. earlier this week, and so if McGee gets into trouble or Rogers gets into trouble, he you know theoretically could come in and and maybe put out a fire and then and then also pitch the ninth. So I I I kind of uh, I think there's some some validity to that. Uh, there might theory. be. I mean, there might be. I think we'll just continue to see how it plays out. You know, again, you are. Well, you the know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Wait, did she? <laughs> yes, two guys in a podcast going, this could happen. It's not going to happen. It's, it's going to be Rodgers in the eighth and McGee in the ninth, and that's just the way it's going to be. Well, I think it could happen in the sense that you never know what happens in the playoffs, right? Especially given that oftentimes starters on a shorter leash in the playoffs. But yeah, no, it's not going to, Littell is not going to become the closer. Latell is not going to become the closer any more than Jay Jackson was going to become the closer. It is McGee and Rogers. These are the two guys who are going to finish games for the Giants. If it can't be McGee, it's going to be Rogers. But I will say this. If McGee gets into trouble, the Kapler is not going to be afraid to make a quick move to somebody else. He's not going to ride or die with McGee. And, you know, I, I think that is true, too. And so if Latell is available, I think Latell has demonstrated that he's a really good guy to bring in into that situation during when that sorry when that situation occurs. So I don't think Latell is going to be slotted in as your closer at any point during the rest of the season or into the postseason. But I think if Latell is available amongst other arms and McGee is having trouble, then it is likely that Latell will be the guy that comes in first. So I think that's probably the best of what we can say about that. But again, all of this could change in two weeks, you know, because you never know. I think one thing that they have really demonstrated that they have to do with the rest of this group is ride the hot hand. Because because other than Rodgers and McGee, I don't think there's been one guy who has demonstrated that he could be consistently reliable throughout the year. Maybe Garcia? But, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was not good, and he did have a, a little bit of a regression recently. So... I, I just don't see any other person in the bullpen that has been as reliable as Rodgers and McGee. And that includes Littell, quite frankly. Yeah. So, 
I think it is. I mean, it is what it is. And I already said this, you know, I've said this multiple times, Matthew. I think we can count on this bullpen blowing a game for us in the playoffs. I, I just, I, it, you know, I, I know that, you know, that probably angers a lot of people to hear somebody say that. But like as a fan who's a, you know, I don't know, I'm a dark and pessimistic person or maybe i'm just a realist but this bullpen just isn't quite enough there it is not elite and uh in those in those crunch time situations although i do believe i literally called them elite last week so um let me see how i can reconcile these two things the bullpen has been very very good and it has gotten a lot better but no i still think is it going to be elite against other elite teams and the answer is no Right. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the good news, though, is that we're 14-2 and two against the Diamondbacks this year. And and maybe it was good that we didn't get to see Tyler Gilbert uh, this last series because the Santa Cruz uh, native uh, in his first major league start threw a no-hitter uh, against the Padres uh, yesterday. I'm so glad that happened for them. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad, you know, and and, and it's, you know, I know that they already had, had Madison Bumgarner throw that seven inning non no hitter, no hitter. But this was, I mean, this is, has to be the highlight of their season. Right? Oh, right. There, it's like their is, World Series, right? I mean, yeah, they got to go and, out in the field and jump up and down. And and it happened yeah. at home. And, you know, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm so glad that it happened for them. I'm, I'm, I'm extra glad that it happened for them against the Padres <laughs> and not not the San Francisco Giants. Um, but, uh, no, that was super exciting. I actually did get a chance to watch the last few batters in that game. And uh, what I love about those kinds of no hitters is when a guy gets into the ninth inning and he looks as strong or stronger than he has the whole game. Yeah. And uh, to strike the first guy out in the ninth inning, he threw this changeup that just locked the guy up. It was an 84 mile an hour, like straight down the middle. Like it was, it was upper third of the strike zone, but it, it just was such a surprise to the guy that he just totally locked. And, um, and that was really fun to see. And then he struck the next guy out as well. And then I really thought the last out in that no-hitter was going to fall. When it first came off the guy's bat, I was like, oh, no, that's a dead quail. I thought for sure that it was, like, going to fall in as a weak, like, how out. But but no, it made it, it had enough to, to get yep. to Marte. And, Marte know. was positioned well. And, uh made a good break on the he ball. was he was, was he was well positioned i think he was playing in a little bit because he didn't want to get caught by that kind of ball um so so yeah i mean that was that was fun to watch and i'm glad that happened to them but uh you know just getting back to that series i think at the end of the day you know i mean everybody you know i think the biggest concern out of that coming out of that was wood's performance you know i think the rest of that series went the way you would expect it to yeah. you know took care of business especially at home and, and, and really, it was Woods one inning. I mean, you know, he pitched well up until then. So, you know, right, uh, right. No, I, I think, again, and that's why I'm worried about the fatigue part of it. Right. Because it, it's not so much that that would he, it's not that he's hurt and his velocity is down, although fatigue can certainly ha hamper that as well. So, um, you know, maybe it was just a blip, but I don't know. After today, I don't know. Well, he, he, yeah, so he might be the next candidate for the uh, oh, my shoulder is tired. I need to go on the IL club. Well, that is no. literally what they call the injury. So, like, I, I mean, you know, isn't that a legitimate injury? Like, I didn't know. Apparently. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've been trying to look this up. Doesn't every pitcher at this point in the major leagues have a tired shoulder? Like, yeah, it just it just seems like a really easy way to get a guy on the IL. Maybe not as easy as saying like, hey, oh, you haven't had your vaccination yet. Here, have this shot, and we can put you on the IL for one day. Which we also did this week. So. Yes, which we also did. Which we also did this week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, switch it, switch it over to the Rocky series. Uh, you know, I think the one thing that stand out to me is Logan Webb's start. Uh, you know, and and really uh, just a continuation of all of his starts over the last his last ten starts. His last ten starts, he's five and zero with a one point five three ERA. And the only pitcher in the majors that has a better ERA over that time is Jacob Degrom. And that's amazing to me. I mean, here's a guy we had high hopes out of spring training because he was pitching yeah, lights out. One of us said he was going to get 12 wins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> one, and, one, and of us, know, one of us was really into his cocktail that week. Well, you know, I think you, you saw the potential. I did. Yeah, were, I saw the potential. Maybe you were a little enthusiastic about uh, the 12 the wins results. was too many. I knew it when it came out of my mouth. I was like, That's too many. <laughs> 
<laughs> ten but probably is what I should have said. Maybe, but he is—he's been lights out the last uh, ten starts. And you know, somebody asked me on Twitter. Uh, uh, actually, our friend uh, uh, Ro at uh, uh, Genuine Draft. He—he uh, he asked, you know, if would you go with Webb over Gosman? And I think the answer oh. to that is if 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 it was today, I think you'd have to give Webb like considerable. Uh, thought about like opening up a playoff series with him um yeah he's young and you don't know about how they react but pitching wise he's definitely been our best starter over the last uh, couple months oh absolutely I, I think he's definitely shown that he has the stuff and i think he's also shown that he's ready he hasn't been phased by any of these situations you know he had that start where he was supposed to be on his rehab assignment and instead they brought him to dodger stadium and uh, and he made that start when he came off of uh, what? Sorry, he was supposed to be on the IL. He made that start that was a rehab start. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, so the guy has been able to do things in situations that don't make a lot of sense, and he has really demonstrated that he is just unfazed by it, and he looks like an absolute stud out there. So I would absolutely consider him right now. I think of him as being interchangeable with Gosman. I think given the way that Gosman has tailed off a little bit and the way that he has stepped up, I don't think Webb is pitching quite as well as Gosman was at his peak this season. So, you know, I I think in that regard, they're probably not quite the same, but I think the way they're performing right now, I, I, I would really think of them as a one a and a one B. Yeah, no, I and like great to have two really great pitchers, right? And I think absolutely, I think, I think Gosman, you know, is searching for consistency with a splitter that he had earlier in the season. Uh, but what's interesting about Gosman is that well, he's definitely been a, an aggressive pitcher and is showing that he knows how to pitch. It's not just the splitter, and it's not just something that 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 that's not the only reason why he's been successful. And you know, he's throwing high fastballs past guys and battling and and. So I'm hoping that once he finds that splitter, maybe we'll get back to the uh, the Gosman that we know. But you know, we beat the the, the Rockies three games to one this series, uh, kind of what you would expect. But you never want to take that for granted. What was interesting, what I thought, especially early on, is that there hasn't been um, in the stands. There hasn't been a lot of a lot of fans. So we're not selling out. I'm just wondering why that is. Well, I mean, I think. I mean, there's been people have made a lot about this. A lot of the media has made comments about this on on both Twitter and even on the postgame show. I I think Greg Papa has mentioned it once or twice, uh, particularly during the the weekday games. And some of those guys got very, very aggressive responses with like, hey, you less than that might've been a less than intelligent thing to say because it's obvious why the attendance isn't so good. Totally. And it's not like we're in the middle of a pandemic or anything. Right. And I, I I do. I mean, I think that is, that is what the attendance is about. The San Francisco giants fans have demonstrated for 20 years, how good of a fan base they are and how they can fill that park, especially when the team is a good one, especially when it's a team like this one in terms of its personalities and its individuals on the team. The Giants fan base is a loyal and uh, fan base that will show up to support their team without a doubt. The only reason the fans aren't there is because of the pandemic. But I think it's kind of interesting because it's not just the pandemic in the sense that, you know, I mean, yes, we've had this new Delta variant and a lot of people are concerned about breakthrough infections and then also not even also being, you know, vaccinated, being able to transmit it to the unvaccinated and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I know this is a baseball show where people don't necessarily want to talk about these things, but but it is relevant in this regard because. I I think there's a couple other things that are going on that are interesting because I wonder how they will play out into the future as the pandemic progresses and and hopefully, you know, begins to diminish. Because one of the things that I noticed is that the attendance is really, really poor during during the week. But it's really actually quite good on the weekends, yeah, was, regardless of the situation. I think, right? Yeah, weekend. it was like 30, 30 something thousand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. Uh, yesterday, sorry, Saturday was 32,000 on Friday. It was 36,000, right? That is, that is a, those are both, both very good attendances for, for, for the park, especially against the Rockies. Right. Right. So, 
Um, but there's a couple things that are going on. The one thing that does make me wonder about the long-term attendance during the week is that San Francisco as a city, a lot of the workers that used to go there aren't going there anymore, right? And so there was a, a large population, I am sure, that would go into work and then stay and then go to a game at night. I used to work in the city and that's what I would do, right? But now a lot of those people are working from home. Right. And so I think it's a lot harder to get those people into the city and to go to a game now that they have to commute from wherever they live. Right. So I think that's one factor to the lower attendances during the week. And then the other factor, which I think is probably not as significant. But, you know, when you and I went to the game a couple weeks ago, I have always used BART to get in from get to and from the ballpark. And BART used to run until midnight. Now it stops at 9 p.m. on nights where there aren't a game. And it has and, and they do extend. They do have extra trains at night on on game days that the Giants play on night games that the Giants play. But it's it, it, the last train runs at 1030. So you have to make sure that you get all the way from the ballpark to the Embarcadero BART station and you're there on the platform. But by the time that last train runs out of the city or you're stuck in the city. Right. Which nobody wants to find themselves in that situation. So it might force you to have to leave the game early if, if the game goes long or if the game has extra innings. And it's just a big pain. And on top of all of that, what I unfortunately discovered on that same day is that that late train from BART doesn't even run to all of the BART stations. So, you know, it's just not an ideal situation right now, all because of the pandemic, but not because of just, you know, what's going on currently with the Delta variant. This is kind of an uh, an ongoing and lasting issue, I think, that that is going to have to be figured out again in the future once things get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. But I guarantee you this. The problem is not that Giants fans don't care about this team. They care about this team very, very much, and they're all very excited about it. It's just really difficult to get to the park this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, some of that, I think, is going to have to be figured out in the future. But but this yeah. year, this is normal, and this is fine. The Giants fans are good fans, and it's just not as easy for us to get out to the park as it once was. And that's all that's about, Greg Papa and uh, <laughs> Mr. Pavlovich. Well, and I mean, you can't ignore the fact that you know people are concerned about going out. And you know, I, I run a gym, and our our daily attendance right now is thirty percent of what it was before the pandemic. And a lot of people are just saying, you know what, I don't feel comfortable coming back and they're going to wait until they feel it's safer. And I think that's the case for a lot of things. So, you know, we're just going to have to, to ride this out and I, you know, watch from TV is fine. And you and I are doing that. And I will say when you and I went to the game a couple weeks ago and we were, I was walking down the, the, um, the big old uh, ramps to get out of the stadium and there were shoulder to shoulder with thousands of fans. All I could think of was that I'm walking through COVID right now. You know, uh, I mean, I had my mask on, but, not many other people did. And so it was, uh, yeah, I, I feel like people are definitely worried about that. And, you know, and you know, not surprising. So, yeah, I don't think I you mean, compare I think that was... our attendance issues in a pandemic with. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I and I, I think the only reason to bring it up is that it felt like people were taking a shot at Giants fans. And I just didn't think that was fair. Yeah. I mean, that that, that is you? that is that's not what's going you, on. Papa. Uh, yeah. I mean, seriously, guys, get get back into the real universe. Like, 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 just let's 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 go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we those of us who've got jobs and other things in our lives. Come on now. Uh, so switching gears a little bit, uh, you know, one interesting fact that I saw, and I, I have to rub your your rub you in, your nose in it a little bit, is that I saw Do this it. week that uh, once uh, we got back Longoria, that Giants now have every opening day position player on their active roster except Mauricio Dubon, who's in AAA. And right. I seem to remember you telling me at one point that we would never have a fully healthy lineup. And uh, what do you have to say to that now? Huh? We, <laughs> yeah, and we've got La Stella doing his La Stella things. We've got mm -hmm. Longoria, mm -hmm. who still seems his timing seems a little off. But Belt is, is locked in. We've got uh, lots of options. Deep bench now. Uh, you know, today, Longoria and Bryant both didn't start. And Flores played third, you know, which I thought was uh, 
an interesting choice, but it just speaks to the depth that we have that we could put both those guys on the bench and still. Flores still was playing really well before he got caught up in this position crunch. You know, he was knocking the ball out of the park pretty much every other day. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, today. yeah. yeah <laughs> kind of, you know, I mean, that's why. I mean, and I think that's one of the things that makes this team so great. Like, you can put guys like Crawford and Bryant on the bench and still feel very, very good about the team that you're putting out on the field. As for, you know, Matthew, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. All of these old men have finally gotten over their bunions and (laughs) their sore knees and, you know, Brandon Crawford has taken upon himself not to body check anybody into the ground in the last few weeks. <laughs> so thank you, Brandon. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, yes, I was wrong. I was wrong. They're all healthy. But, but here's how I see this playing out. Once they finally have to make a final decision that forces them to DFA somebody, then somebody's going to get hurt. That's how this is all going to work. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Because that's the pessimist in me speaking. That pessimism is well, well placed, I think, because that's definitely how it goes with the Giants. And right now, what's interesting is the Giants have are using 12 pitchers on their roster and they have 14 active position players. And that just speaks to the fact that they don't want to make that tough decision on sending somebody down or or DFAing someone at this point, because I think the only one that probably has options left is maybe Slater. And and, you know, so he might be the next one if they want to keep everyone, because it seems like they really want to keep everyone. They do. They do. They want to really want to keep everyone until until the postseason. And and then everybody at that point who's on the 40 man roster is eligible to be put on to the roster, the playoff roster anytime between any series. So, you know, I mean, they'll still have a hard choice to make who's on that final 40 man roster. But but I, I yeah, they don't want to get rid of anybody. But here's the thing, Matthew, like that pessimism. I agree with you. I agree with you that that is the old way. That's the San Francisco Giants way. But that is not the 2021 Giants. Here's what's going to happen to the 2021 Giants. The moment that they finally have to make that decision, somebody's going to magically get a 10-day injury. And it'll be legit. It'll be a legitimate injury. Like, I don't know. Maybe they'll be cooking in the kitchen and they'll accidentally spill, like, something on their bare feet. No, in their socks, because they cook in their socks. And they'll get a hot liquid on their socks and it'll burn their foot. And they'll be like, oh, no, I'm out for 10 days. And then that'll save somebody's job. And then that guy will come back in 10 days and somebody else will get hurt. And it's just going to be that way until the end of the season where you're having all of these injuries that are actually good news, not bad news, because it allows you to keep basically 41 guys on your 40 man roster. That's probably how this. I picture Zaidi and Kapler wandering through the clubhouse, just asking everybody, like, how you feeling? How you feeling? How you feeling? Yeah, it's all right. It's all <laughs> you right. You feel yeah. okay? Yeah. A, you know, a little soreness. Right. Anywhere? You sure that Farhan doesn't accidentally just stumble into somebody and be like, oh, are you hurt? That's right. He's 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 white, like hiding behind the corner, kicking Lestella in the shin or something or Solano in the shin. Yeah. But, he's about half their height, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah, no. And I think because he has shown a very clever use of the IL lately. I mean, we've got tired shoulders. We've got vaccine reactions. We have flexor strains. I mean, I think that. You know, the older hey, flexor strains a real thing, man. Well, sure, but I might have a. I'm. I could have a flexor strain. You probably do. Get up out of bed, you know. You probably do. Point to your flexor right now. Um, here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Pointed to my head. No, but, that's uh, your for, that's your yeah. bald forehead. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in this. Yes, region. it's in the forearm. Um, we learned. We had this conversation um, already. We yeah. had this conversation earlier in the season. We learned that it's in the forearm. Yeah. Well, you know, he could have a flexor strain. I, you know, you're probably correct, but you know, I, I do think also that it was a little. Uh, the timing was good for him to have a flexor strain, and you know, sometimes you got to wonder about about these injuries, particularly the tired shoulder. Like I, you go on WebMD and you say you Google, you know, you search for tired shoulder, it's going to be like not found, okay? Because <laughs> they don't they don't have that as a malady. Right, and this is WebMD, MD. who 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 would never hesitate to show you an ad. After That's consulting right. Dr. Google. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, I, I think, but it, it, it does, if they do run out of these clever ways of, of, of creating roster space by, you know, these phantom injuries, 
you know, there's I'm looking at like I know there's been talk around Dickerson being the the, the candidate to be let go. Solano, maybe with Slater is probably the most likely considering they don't want to let go of anyone, even though Slater maybe doesn't deserve it. But they played Bryant in center field earlier this year or this week. So I could see them sending Slater down and Bryant moving to center field. And that way they don't have to lose anyone uh, off the 26 or their 40 man. So I just um, it'll be interesting to see because they, you know, like I said, they've got 14 position players and 12 pitchers. And as they get into September, I just um, well, they'll add they'll get to add two players in September. So maybe they can kick this can down the road for a couple of weeks until uh, until then. Yeah, I think that's the in- more interesting question is, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Permanently losing anybody is a, is a very interesting in- question. I-, I feel like the number one guy on the list is Slater because they can option him down. Uh, I think then it's Solano and then it's Dickerson. I think in that order, in terms of, of who they will actually choose to do either of those things, and I think it's Slater by a mile ahead of either of those other two because Slater has an option. Yeah. And Dickerson well, it's interesting and that you put don't. Solano ahead of Dickerson because – I kind of agree with you because I think, you know, looking who's behind him, you've got you've got La Stella and then you have Flores who could play second base. Mm-hmm. Andrew Baggerly, actually, I think on Twitter the other day suggested or maybe it was one of one of his columns suggested that that even uh, Bryant could move over to second base and mm-hmm. be like the Jeff Kent type second baseman. And that yeah. might be something to look for for next year. Uh, but who's to say they don't get a, he- a head start if they well, get into a roster crunch? Agreed. But I don't and think I, that's what's likely. But I think no. that's an interesting thing to think about for sure. Well, I think they're deeper there at second base, first of all, because I think, you know, they have, you know, if somebody were to get hurt and you lost Solano permanently, you still have Estrada and Dubon who could come up, right, to play at, and from the defensive side. I think from the offensive side, Dickerson is ahead of Solano. And then I also just like the fact that Dickerson is a left-handed power bat off the bench, you know, so that's why I like Dickerson. I also like Dickerson just because he's he's one of my favorite players on a personal level. Right. But but I I, that's why I think Dickerson is ahead of Solano. But I really don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to make that choice. I I think it's going to be Slater because he's the only one with the option left. And just like I didn't think Duggar deserved it, I don't necessarily think Slater deserves it either. Not that Solano or Dickerson deserves it. I I think none of them deserve it. And I think that I, you know, all of them could be on the major league roster. But to me, it really is. If you were forcing me to, to make the choice. And again, we had this conversation last week, right? I make choices that are very pragmatic and 26 man roster focused, which I agree, I think is the wrong thing. But that's just my that's what my gut always tells me to do. So I would probably go with Solano ahead of Slater. So I would I would DFA Solano. But then that's why I don't run a major league baseball team. I really think that they will they will move Slater down if they are forced uh, rather than they would Solano or Dickerson. I just don't think they want to make that permanent choice. And and so they will continue to kick the can down the road. And so. As so, well, they but, should. Yeah. You don't want to lose good players. And who knows, you know, when. Right. And well, you never, like you said, like we never know who's going to get hurt. And I still think it's, you know, like this moment right now, as as much as I never thought it would happen, I think is is very likely to be fleeting, right? I mean, come on. Let's, you know, the, the fact of the matter is these are professional athletes playing Major League Baseball. I can't believe that any one of them is 100% healthy right now. I can't believe that there's anybody in all of Major League Baseball right now that's been playing all year that isn't a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent healthy and feels great. I'm not. You know, 100% I mean, healthy. it's it's a I, grind. I just, I just, I'm not a hundred percent healthy. I just want you to go on record. Yeah, I'm definitely 100%. not a hundred percent healthy. I know why no. you're not a hundred percent healthy. There's a reason that I use that whole <laughs> cooking in your socks example. Cook with shoes on, folks. Okay, <laughs> cook with shoes on. That's all I gotta say. All right. Or without well, a, just with you know, if you're not gonna do it with shoes on, do it in bare feet. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, either way, it would have been really painful. Anyway, uh, so I think we're getting close, but I want to let's let's do a little lightning round. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So Brandon Crawford extended. This he's the week. best. Best. Yes. He's the best. Right. L- longest tenured shortstop in Giants history. We'll now have two more years. At yep. a pretty reasonable price, if you ask me, sixteen million per year. Yeah, sixty million dollars for the next two years, absolutely. And mm-hmm. what does this mean for the Giants for the offseason? Go. What does this mean? Well, it means number one, they're out of the whole. You know, do we need a shortstop thing? Crawford is now the bridge to Luciano. They have great backups there with uh, with uh, Estrada and and Dubon, both there if they need it. Uh, Crawford, you're starting shortstop, so no need to go there. I think it means that they will focus on 
Well, I, the real question is, do they pick up Buster Posey's option, uh, team option? I think they will try to renegotiate an ex- a long-term extension with right. Posey. I think they will I say, do the same I say thing. they don't pick up his option, but they extend him for a couple of years. Correct. Yes. I think they will try to, yeah. I, I think, and I would really like to see him them do a giant for life kind of deal. Um, you know, That's not right. one that he breaks the bank. host of Giant Cocktails. After his, he retired. I don't think that is, I don't think any Giants player is ever going to come on this show. I think that ship has <laughs> sailed, but um, that's, that's fine. Um, the, we would have to pay them. We would have to pay them. And that's the only way that's happening. But what's uh, in your budget, man? What's in your budget? You got enough for that? I don't think I could cover any of them right now. Yeah. I'll talk to your no. wife. We'll, we'll talk yeah. to her. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, All if right, you could so- get Russ Ortiz, she'd pay for it. That's right. There's oh, a name would. from the past. Russell Ortiz. There you go. <laughs> Russell the love oh, muscle. That's weird. right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. so uh, you said that that's just there. I think that that makes Gosman a priority. Uh, also, Bryant. Gosman's priority right? number one. Yes. Gosman and Bryant, I think, yep. are the two. Uh, I think another another question out of the original. So you talked to Buster. You talked about Crawford. What about Belt? Does he stay or go? He goes. And why? Because they, because they're gonna. They're, so if they can sign Bryant and they can sign Gosman and they can renegotiate Posey, I think that's all the money they spend. Mm-hmm. And I think they they so might do some other Wade smaller Jr. deals with Ruff. Some yeah, I think they go. I think they look at Wade Junior. and Ruff, and they say these are our first base. This is our first base situation. Mm-hmm. They're both young enough. I mean, Ruff's a little bit on the older side, but but Lamont Wade Junior is you know what is he 27 26 27 sure. let's go with that and um yeah he doesn't hit he doesn't hit the lefties well but i think they will work very very hard with him to make him at least you know uh, uh competitive against left-handed pitching and i think they that uh, lamont wade jr and darren ruff are your first basemans for 2022 and I would go and, with that. I think that works. I mean, you know, I do too. Uh, I think it totally works. And I think everybody would be happy to see them come back. And I think Belt is just a little too old and a little too injured too often. And yeah. and uh, as much I as I love that Belt, pains but me, yeah, he can't stay on the field. And that's his biggest problem. Right. And it, and it always has been. And so I, I think it's just that's unfortunate. But I think that's just the way it's going to work out. Brandon Belt is not going to be re signed. Okay. Now, rest of the season, uh, Giants have 44 games left after today. Yep. So 32 of them are against mm-hmm. teams with a records over 500. Does Who that cares? concern you? No, they're going to go 44 and 0. <laughs> they're the best team in baseball. Every other team has to play all the, those 44 games. The other team has to play the best team in baseball. That's what that's all about. That's right. that's so the Dodgers wow, have to play us. That's right. That's right. The revolver. Not like Take we have to play the Dodgers. The Dodgers have to play the Giants. That's right. The Dodgers have to play the Giants. The Padres, those poor souls, they have to play like half their games against the Giants. The Padres have no chance. Unless, They're doomed. Unless Fernando Tatis can like bat second, third, and fourth. Well, they right did now. make a huge improvement defensively. The Padres did. They got a much better shortstop. <laughs> and a much better right fielder. <laughs> did I don't even know who's playing right field before mm, Tatis I think today, it's but... questionable that they got a better right fielder. Well, offensively, I would imagine. Offensively, <laughs> yes. I was talking on the defensive side of the ball, and I will tell you this. The Padres have a much better shortstop these days because it's not Fernando Tatis. That guy stinks at shortstop. No, he let, he was leading the National League in He errors, stinks. So, uh, yeah. He's so. horrible. He's oh. bad. I'm there. Nobody else wants to say it. Fernando Tatis is a bad shortstop. He's bad. Yeah, well, and how do I know that? Anymore. Yeah, well, he yeah, and how do I know that? Because he had so many errors, and also the Padres agree. Yeah, Fernando Tatis is actually bad at something at baseball. There, I said it. I'm the only person who will. I said it. <laughs> All right, last question before we uh, we wrap things up here. Stadium fights. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of them, also mostly from the football side. To be honest, watching some Niners and some <laughs> LA you know, Rams games this weekend, and there were some major fights in the stands, which was kind of cool to watch on social mm-hmm. media. Only because I wasn't there. But who's likely to get in a fight, and why is it you? <laughs> because I'm not a coward. <laughs> uh, you kind of run your mouth off a little bit. Well, there's that too. That's because I'm not a coward. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm probably like if Fernando Tatis was in the room with me right now, I'd be getting my butt kicked by him right now. So you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, well, I tell my kids, you know, I'm a runner, not a fighter. 
And, uh, you know, so I, there's a reason why I've always kept in good shape, and that's so that I could run I'm not a fighter either. Anybody would want to, that could beat me, so... Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, so you're on your own, buddy. I'm just all I'm saying, you know. Uh, next time we go to a game, you know, just uh, you know, last time we were great because there was nobody in front of us, and so it was like half the people that we could piss off weren't even around us. So it was it was a, a good seating arrangement last time. I was very well mis. I was re- I was about to say I was very well misbehaved. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I you were in good behavior. Well, I was very well behaved last time. You were, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I. I I think it's obvious that it would be me to get into a fight, but it would only be with a Dodger fan. Sure. Well, that would be the only one worth it. And why is that, Bob? Dodgers suck. That's right. That's right. But Dodger fans, they don't know that. So, you know, that's why you just, here I am just speaking the truth and they get all angry and stuff. (laughs) All right. Well, hey. So you, before we wrap things up, so a certain, certain somebody, who was it, Bob? Buster Posey. That's right. Buster Posey hit not one, but two home runs this week. And, and? Logan Webb got a win. That's so, right. And whenever we said that Buster Posey hit a home run or Logan Webb got a win, you would roll the cocktail dice for next week's drink. So I think... What if all three, three, two home runs and a win equals a triple? So whatever you roll today just has to be like you just got to triple right. it. That's right. So so that's right. So when 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 Logan Posey gets a a a, a, a home win, <laughs> a run win, a win run, when Logan Posey gets a win run, I have to roll the dice because I bet that I declared that that Logan Posey was going to hit twenty five home wins or run wins, <laughs> home wins this season. And he's got 21 now. He's got 21 home wins. I, I think the outlook is good on that. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. I'm I'm feeling very very confident. They might just come in right under the wire, but I'm I'm feeling like I'm feeling like we're gonna do it. We're gonna mm-hmm. do it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I am I doing a cocktail, a sour, a fizz, a smash, a punch, a flip, a swizzle, or a ricky? I haven't done. You haven't a done a ricky fizz you or a ricky a or a swizzle. Swizzle. Oh, that's right. I did a swizzle. You have not done one yet. Yeah, yeah. So a fizz is uh, soda and egg white. A Ricky is just uh, soda, club soda. So Rickies are very, very simple. Yeah. So it's up to you. What do you feel like making next week? I, I don't. I mean, I think with the mixology dice, you got to go bigger. You got to go home. I I agree. I, I, let's go with the fizz. Let's go okay. with the fizz. So I need a spirit. I need a. Um, all right. So there's my spirit die. I need um, uh, sugar and liqueur. So here is my sugar and here's my liqueur. And I need a citrus. So there's my citrus. And I think that's it. Yeah, that's a fizz. All right. And I top this with club soda and an egg white. Here we go. All right, I got boring. You know, I'm I'm sweet. I'm shaking that one again. That's dumb. <laughs> I always get that one. All right, there we go. That's something different. I got a vodka lime with cane sugar cubes and sweet vermouth. That is like the boringest cocktail. I'm rewrite. That is. That. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fall re-roll. Let's re-roll. Let's just yeah. re-roll. We're, we're gonna keep the lime out. Yeah, lime, lime's good. Okay, here we go. Maple syrup is my sweetener. Okay. Ooh, elderflower liqueur. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Is that, a, is that a trip to, to the liquor store for you? That would you definitely be that? a trip to the liquor store for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's fine. That's fine. And vodka. A vodka is fine. Yeah, we haven't done too many vodka cocktails. No, we haven't. We haven't. Yeah, I mean, because vodkas are, are very, is a very plain, it's like the water of Yeah, of cocktail I mean, you're, you're basically it. going for flavor outside of the... the yeah, I mean, I guess here I'm making an elderflower and maple <laughs> and or maple syrup uh, cocktail. Yeah, well, I'm uh, curious to see, does maple, flour, does maple syrup play with elderflower? We're gonna well, I don't have to because the rules say I don't, I can use one, oh, or, one the or the other, other. of That's those right. two. Uh, I don't have to combine them, but you know, let's just see what happens. I don't think elderflower and maple syrup go together. 
It doesn't sound like it to me. I mean, no, I, uh, no. I think what I'll try to do is like one of those, um, like very. Uh, let's start with the elderflower and see where that goes. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go that route and uh, all right, and, and avoid the maple syrup. Um, and let's see if we can create some some nice, um, uh, you know, European mountain fizz cocktail. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Like I, hope so, <laughs> I hope so, Bob. I hope so. All right. Well, Bob, what else should they do before we go? Follow us on Twitter. That's right. And Instagram at, at Giant Cocktails. You can find Ben at Watch Ben Fail on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm the guy behind the uh, the Giant Cocktails account. So just just tweet at me there. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We'll put the recipes of our cocktails up there. That's right. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and or like our podcast. And, and tell your you friends. Tell your friends. We're kind of fun. A bunch I of you told your friends last week, by the way. So very appreciative of that. Yes. Thank you to our new listeners. It's great. Uh, those of you from the Genuine Draft podcast that uh, stopped on over. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. And uh, yeah, hit that subscribe button. All right, so next week we've got uh, three games against the Mets, and uh, thank you to ESPN for moving their afternoon Sunday game to <laughs> the nighttime against the Dodgers. So now they got to fly the red. They're on an airplane right now, all the way to San Francisco to play the the Giants to, on Monday night. Uh, we got three games there. Then we got an off day on Thursday, and then we get three games against the A's at Oakland. But come on, it's kind of a home game, so. Hopefully Giants fans will show up strong in Oakland and uh, we'll talk about it all next week. So Ben, it was great talking with you and uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers, Matthew. Bye everybody. Bye everyone. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs> <laughs>